This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen and amen. If you will, go to the book of Philippians. I need your heads clear. I need you concentrating so God can fix it. God, Jesus, fix it. Okay. He's here to fix it this morning. In the book of Philippians, chapter 1. Me and this Bible. I need a new Bible. It's... Uh, okay. We're te- teaching from the subject, and we've been teaching for the past three weeks on the subject of staying focused and undistracted. And especially in these times, and in, this, in, in, in the period of time that we're in, in the pandemic that we're in, in this church, in this time, when we have members going on with, to be with the Lord, we must still stay focused. And undistracted. We have learned in earlier teachings this one thing that it is a difficult thing for the believer to do as individual and as a group. It's always so difficult for us to stay single minded and undistracted. That's a difficult thing as believers. Individually and as well as collectively, we, it is difficult to stay focused, stay undistracted. And because of this, the tricks and the tactics of the devil or the adversary, you know, he comes slipping in and he slips in so cunningly because he's transformed into an angel of light. And that's what throws us off. And that's what God wants to minister to you this morning. So you won't be thrown off even when the enemy transforms himself. You and I have to learn the differences, listen, between the devil being transformed into an angel of light and the works of God. Because they look the same. Did you hear me? We gotta be very discerned, we have a discernment of this. Because when the enemy turns himself and transforms himself into an angel of light, his works will look like the works of God. If you don't have discernment, you can get caught up in that. And there's only one way that you can determine the works of the adversary and the works of God. It's only one way that you'll be able to discern it. You won't just naturally be able to discern that. Because they look the same. They look alike. So you have to make sure that you understand this. There's only one way that you're going to discern the difference between the acts of the adversary and the acts of God. And that is you, it must be spiritually discerned. Write it down. You cannot Figure this out any other way. You're not going to be able to just look at it and say, that's God. Oh, wait, no, wait, that's God. Because the devil transforms himself into an angel of light. 
when he does that, you, the only way that you're going to know, let me take this hearing off before Kelly step out and tell me, the only way that you're going to know is that you have discernment. And the devil can come so much like God in the natural because he's an imitator. He watches what we do. He watches how you shout. He watches all those things. And see, he can do that in a church. And it looks godly. Only discernment will let you know the difference. And if you're not focused and able to discern, anybody that jumps up in church and shout and scream and roll on the floor and dress up in the air, and all, that was God. But discernment is say, no, I don't care how high they jumped and I don't care how loud they screamed and what kind of religious noise they made. That's not God. Spiritually discerned. Are you with me? So, until we can, you know, we can't pick up the tactics of the, the, uh, of the enemy with the natural mind. You must be led by the Spirit of God. You have to be led by His Spirit. Amen? The Word of God says in the book of Corinthians that the devil, listen, that the devil comes and transforms as an angel of light, but he comes transformed into. A lot of times we say, you know, he comes as an angel of light. No, it says he's transformed into an angel. So, oh my God, he's got that kind of power. Well, remember, he was the anointed cherub. The anointing is still there because the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God didn't take the anointing away when he got kicked out. It went with him. So, yes, he can transform himself into an angel of life. And it makes it sometimes that you're not able to uh, say what it is. You can't say if it's God or what. And then sometimes you get offended when people tell you that wasn't of God. Yeah, you you just jealous. No, no, that wasn't of God. I could discern that that's not of God. That's why, that's why we are teaching ministry and that's why we teach you well. So that you can go and visit any place you want to. We're not a cult. You don't have to just come here. You can go visit anywhere you want to. But you had better know what the words say or you'll be caught up. Because there's many different doctrines out there and many different things out there. And you can get caught up. But if you know the truth and you know how to discern, you can go anywhere. And when you see foolishness, you can discern it and you can move. Say, oh no. Now that's unscriptural. And there's a difference between error and just outright just, you know, I'm just going to teach false doctrine. Because some ministers can be in error and it's just error. But, but, but you have to be able to discern that too. Very important. Amen. That's why the Lord said, I'll put my spirit in you. So you'll be able to discern. This is why you and I, we must get the word down on the inside of us so that we can be sensitive to the Spirit of God. If you're not sensitive to the Spirit of God, you don't know when he's telling you to discern something. You, if you're not sensitive to the Spirit of God, you will not be able to discern what is of God and what is not. You must be sensitive to the Spirit. So in order to do that, we need to get rid of all of our fleshly lust. Oh, man, here's where it's going to get difficult. 
we got to get rid of this fleshly lust. All of it that we can get rid of, we need to get rid of it. Get rid of it in our minds. Get rid of it in our spirits. Get rid of it in our body. We got to say nope, because that is going to keep me from discerning the things that's going on around me. That keeps me from discerning what's happening in my children's lives. That's what's going to get, what's happening in, 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 in ministry. All of that you will not be able to discern unless you get rid of that flesh, that fleshly lust. That keeps you trapped. Because the more that you're in the flesh, the less sensitive you are to God. The more you're in the flesh, the less sensitive you are to the Spirit of God. And the less that, uh, the, the more you are in the flesh, the less you'll be able to pick up on the tricks and the tactics of the enemy. You won't be able to. You, you won't see it. People are trying to tell you and you still can't see it. Because you're not sensitive. And that leads us and keeps us in a state where we are unfocused and distracted. Unfocused and distracted. And then we start to lose our hold on where God wants us to be and our ability to hear and understand. It starts becoming distorted. We don't understand where God wants us to be. This is where you begin to make wrong choices, wrong decisions, and just do all kind of things. You have lost track. You are off the beaten path. The fleshly lusts have kicked in. And now you make all the wrong judgments about people, about things, about decisions for your home. Everything's just off. And that's where trouble begins. I am now not focused. I am now undistracted. The devil got tactics and tricks, and I'm calling them God because I can't discern whether it's God or not. And the whole objective of this whole study is to keep us steady, on a steady course. And we will not and cannot stay on a steady course unless we are able, again, to know the difference between the works of God and the works of the adversary. There is two works working at all times. Sometimes they are very close and similar. And sometimes people can go to church and they see people, again, shouting and throwing themselves. And they say they, they, they just believe that it's the works of God. I remember, I don't remember, we was at someone's funeral. And this woman kept, she would get up and she just jerk, 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 real hard. Her neck would be popping and her neck. And I said, that's not a God. And everybody's like, she's so spiritual. And she'd do that for a little bit and then she'll stop. And then she just, I mean, she just would start bucking and uh, like her neck was popping. And so I said, that, that's not of God. And I don't know who was with me that time, but if they're in this room, they probably say, yeah, I remember you reaching over to me saying that that's not of God. That, it didn't even look like God to me. But it was in a church. It was in a spiritual setting. And it looked like it could be God. God's never going to have you flipping, throwing, and spitting, and dress over the head, and fanning, and all that kind of foolishness. No. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not God. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit went, I'm telling you, I mean, had her just going wild. No. The Holy Spirit will never have you going wild. As a matter of fact, let me kill this right now. It's laid in my notes, but I'm going to kill it right now. The, the Holy Spirit is never, 
ever going to make it where you are out of control. I didn't know what I was doing when I started speaking in tongues. I didn't know. I was just, I, it was, I don't know. I was just, no ma'am, no sir, no ma'am, no sir. The Holy Spirit will never let you be out of control. Never. So anybody tell you that they just start speaking, that I was just out of control. I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. I can stop anytime I want to. And I can start anytime I want to. But if you just out of control, that's the works of the devil. That's the work of the adversary. I started and I stopped when I wanted to. Because I'm in control. The Holy Spirit's going to always be in control. That was an example. But it's all, you're always in control. I don't care if you're feeling good and shouting. If you run around this church, it's because you want to. It's not because you're out of control and you don't know what you're doing. Because if you don't know what you're doing, then we need to get you some more help. Because the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. He will never, ever get you out of control. Because if that's the case, you got a fine chapter and verse in Scripture for it. That was laid in my notes, but y'all pulled that out of me. Because you look like you want to believe that foolishness. Now, because see, people can act emotionally. Jerk about and do all those type of things. And say they're overcome by the Spirit. And I believe, and, and I agree with them. They are overcome by the Spirit. But it's a Spirit, not the Spirit. Not the Holy Spirit. But it is a Spirit. The Spirit just, no, a Spirit did that. Are you with me? Teaching you how to stay focused and undistracted. Because, see, God is never the author of confusion. So if you're going to have a call into Christ, it's not going to prompt you to shout, speak in tongues, and be all out of order and out of line. While I'm teaching right now, it would be out of order and out of line for someone to jump up and just start speaking in tongues. And said, I was out of God. The Holy Spirit just made me. I didn't have no control. No, that's a lie. I can tell you what that was. You wanted to be seen. That's what that was. God is always decent and in order. Always. That's one thing I found in Pastor pressed on us all of his ministry life is we're going to be balanced. And he wasn't into a bunch of emotions. He wanted you to learn something. He wanted you to learn, you to, learn to prepare yourself to live before a holy God and to walk in his presence. And he wasn't, you know, anti-emotional that you couldn't do it anymore. You could do it as much as you want to. But after that, you better sit down and get some word. Are you with me? Now, and, and, and because somebody make large religious noises, notice what I called it. N- loud religious noises. Did you hear me? God is not the author of confusion. 
The Bible says where there's confusion, there's every evil work. So if confusion is setting in in the, in, in the church, that's evil work working. But it can look religious. And you, if you don't have discernment, you'll think it's God. I remember a time, and I don't know if some of you remember. Do you all remember a time when they, when churches was laughing? They did this deal, and all of a sudden, every church just burst out laughing. And they said that was the move of God. How? And it was out, you know, the pastor could be preaching, and somebody just burst out laughing over there. And then somebody burst out laughing. Then the whole church was just laughing. And then they spent the whole service laughing. And then they get up and went home and said, God moved. God moved. Everybody was just laughing. I mean, it started. It just rippled. I said they've been they they've been to a ball game. You know how that ripple thing. Everybody uh, that that's what you're doing. But God started it, and it just flew by. And I'm telling you, you they couldn't stop it. The whole service. And I said, now if you can't see, that's the tactic of the enemy, so you don't get no word. Just laugh the whole time, and then go home. How's that going to help you when you're sick? How's that going to help you with your marriage? How's that going to help you with anything? Let me tell you, you can't laugh through a marriage. You got to work on it. <laughs> you you laugh if you will, but that's not going to help. You're going to have to work. But I remember that times, and, and Pastor said, that's a bunch of foolishness right there. One thing I found in Pastor was good at baby, he was good at dessert. But that's the way he was. He would sit down. I'm, now, I'm the type, I'm like, if we would go somewhere, because we would go to meetings and stuff, and I'm hallelujah, I get it. But he was always quiet and attentive to everything. He didn't let a word get past him. He was my protector. He balanced me out. He'll let me do all of that and hallelujah and everything. And, 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 and I'll be hallelujah on the right stuff, but he ain't going to even hallelujah on the right stuff. He want to hear what you're saying. He's like, no, I need to make sure that, that my household is getting this right word. And that's the way he brought it to the church. He was like, I, I'm not letting. And, you know, people often wonder. We always had people that wanted to come and, and minister here. But Pastor Hill was very cautious. He said, I don't know what they believe, and they're not putting anything in these people's ears. Because I have, I have to give an account for them. He said, I know what I teach. If they want to go and, and go to some meeting somewhere and see somebody or whatever, they can. But I'm not bringing them in because I've heard what they taught. I've heard this. I heard that. He said, I'm very cautious. I don't want anybody just in their ear putting anything in it. Some of you don't know how to be thankful for your pastor. Some of you don't know how to be thankful for your 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 founding pastor or your now pastor. God said, "Just throw that in." But you you but but that's okay. You get there, amen. So you have to be sensitive enough to know. And this is why the Spirit of God said that. The, listen, this is why you you. This is one thing that you know, and find out that people cannot be out of control. The spirit is subject to the prophet. That means, no, no, no. You have a time in which you can say it. You, you got a time. It's subject to you and the time that you do it. You just don't, you're not out of control. 
You don't, you're never in a place where you don't know, you know, I just couldn't stop. I just did, you know, I was out of control. I couldn't stop speaking in tongues. I couldn't stop. No. There's really no such thing when it comes to the Spirit. I couldn't help myself. No. I couldn't help myself. I just, ooh, I just felt like I just had to jump. Really? From the balcony. Seriously. From the balcony. You just had to. But just get the ambulance in. Because, you know, I ain't even going to lay hands on nobody that's stupid. Because I ain't, uh-uh, because some of that foolishness might get back on my hands. I'm not even going to lay hands. Just get an ambulance, take them on out, because that's just straight foolishness. But people that see it, they become not focused and distracted. Because they're like, well, why didn't that happen to me? I want to jump too. Why did it happen to me? God really knows them. The Spirit is always subject to the prophet. See, I believe I'm born again. And I believe and I know I love God. I know it with all of my heart. But God has never and never will take me out of control of myself. Never. Never have. And I've been saved a long time. So Paul is writing here in the church at Philippi, who we at Church of the Living Water want this church to be a replica of the church of Philippi. A church that Paul loved. A church that walked in the Spirit. And he had a trifold purpose. And the, the, his trifold purpose for, uh, in uh, the church at Philippi, number one, was to keep them steadfast. Number two, he wanted them to be of the same mind, and he wanted them to rejoice in the Lord. We're going to talk about that. And when God tells us to rejoice in the Lord, I want you to write these two things down and keep them in your heart. When you and I are able to rejoice in the Lord, two major things will happen in our lives. Two major things. The Number one, it is the evidence of... Of our fulfillment in the Lord. I am fulfilled in Christ. That's an evidence. I have a fulfillment in the Lord. I am fulfilled in my walk with God. In what he's telling me to do. As a believer. See, I don't have to walk around sour-faced. See, I'm fulfilled in him. I don't have to walk around scraping and scratching and, and trying to, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to try to, to climb up the rough side of the mountain. See, all of this stuff people say, and it sounds spiritual, but it's not. That's not a fulfillment in the Lord. Oh, the rough side of the mountain. You know, always trotting down, always something going on with it. Beat down in every area. I mean, always saying stuff like this. He doesn't come when you want him, but he's always right on time. Well, no. No. See, all of those kind of things. No, your fulfillment in God, he's always there. Mm. I've heard people say that so much. Mm -mm. I haven't found that in the scripture yet. People quote that like that's scriptural. He don't always come when you want him. But I tell you what, he's always right on top. And the whole sanctuary went wild. 
Amen. That's right. That's right. That's right. But is it scripture? I have not found a, a scripture that can substantiate that. But a religious person that can't discern would think that's God. And it's not. Some people say, you know, God won't supply your wants, but he will supply your needs. That's not true either. He'll do both, according to the word. According to the word. But see, that sounds still. You know, forget about your want. He'll, he won't do that. He's not trying to get your wants. He won't, no. He said, I'll satisfy both of them. Well, Pastor Hill, do you have a scripture that? Yeah, I do. And I'm going to quote it, and I want you to find it. See, that's what's wrong with God's lazy people. They're like, give me the scripture so I can go find it. Well, the scripture that, that, that says that he'll satisfy your wife, it says, they that seek the Lord shall want no good thing. Now, find it. And have you ever want, thought about it? Your desires is a want. And then he said, I'll supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. So he's doing both. You need and you want. You need and you want. By his riches in Christ Jesus. So you can want. There's a proper way to want. That's the thing. It's a proper way to want. That's, that, that's what we have to get understand. It's a proper way. There's a proper way to need. There's a proper way to need. When God said he'll grant you the desires of your heart, you, you know, it, it, or what are your desires? Does, do your desire line up with anything that's pertaining to God? Listen. When he said he'll grant you the desires of your heart, where well, you don't want, listen, you, you really want what you desire. You want what you desire. Because, see, you don't necessarily, listen, you don't necessarily need everything that you desire. You just want it. Did you hear me? You don't necessarily need it, but you just want it. And it's okay to want. Make sure it's lining up with the Word of God. Make sure. See, when my husband was here, listen, see, I, 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 I want to bring it where you can understand it. When my husband was here, I desired him. I desired him for 43 years. I desired him. But I didn't need him. I know. I desired him, but I didn't need him. I got Jesus. But God knew I wanted him. See, there's a want. God knew I wanted him. And everything in me wanted Pastor Hill. But I didn't need him. You know why? Because God never sent Jesus to die on the cross to leave my fulfillment in the hands of another. He didn't do that. He said, no, I, I never, I never, no, not, I, your fulfillment is not going to come in any man's hands. Those belong to God. 
So I don't need a person to be fulfilled in this walk. Let me tell you, if some of you, if your children is the one thing that's fulfilling you, it won't last. They're not created for that. If your spouse, it won't, they can't fulfill it. I know you think you are, but you're not. And you'll see it later on as years go by. They can't fulfill it. That God did not send Jesus for someone else to fulfill you. Jesus alone fulfilled you. Some of us put everything we have in that. But guess what? Notice your life. Notice your thought life. Notice your did. Notice you're not fulfilled. Because you, you, that's not going to fulfill you. Oh, you have spurts of happiness and you enjoy this and you enjoy that. But that's not a fulfillment. You have to be fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where I am. I'm fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor Hill was what I would call an overflow for me. But my fulfillment was in and is in Christ Jesus. And I take my husband as an overflow exceedingly above all that I could ask a thing. That's why I don't look for... I, I, I wish I would call myself looking for a husband. And I forgot, let me correct myself from last week. I told you all I was married 43 years and, and I ain't about, I done had all the sex that I wanted. I don't need no sex. Let me correct that. I done had all the good sex that I wanted for 43 years. Let me, let me stipulate that. It's for anybody that thinks they can do better. That I done had. When, when you done had 43 years of good sex, you don't need it. You don't need to go somewhere and sit down. Go somewhere and sit down. If you've been sexing up for 43 years, ain't nothing else for you to do but go see Jesus after that. It, that's enough. Now, now, let, let, let me say this because somebody, because somebody, your, your spouse might pass before you. And if you want to get married again, you can't, you, you, let me tell you, everybody has their own way. It doesn't mean you don't love the Lord. You might need somebody, and that's okay. Go get them. Your sex wasn't as good as mine, but you're satisfied. I get it. Go get them. But just, just so you know. But that was a want. But I didn't need him. My need is always in Christ Jesus. Always in Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Make sure you want in line with the will of God. See, I wanted Pastor Hill. It was in line with the will of God. Ooh. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit that right there and keep it moving. As long as you're wanting something that's consistent with the with God's will. You're in good shape. Now, when you're wanting something that's outside of the will of God, then it turns into lust. That's all it is. It's lust. And there's no way to make the word lust unsinful. No way. The word lust by nature is a sin. 
whether you lusting for another woman, whether you lusting in the bed, whether you lusting for a job, because when you start lusting, you do, start doing all kinds of things to get it. That's contrary to the will of God. Are you with me? So, your wants have to line up with the Word of God and the will of God. If it's not in your heart to be lined up, you're not gonna you're gonna you're gonna go against what God is trying to do in your life. You're gonna go against it. The second thing, when you rejoice in the Lord, it makes your testimony credible. It makes your testimony. You want your testimony to be credible. You know, I don't. I listen to people very carefully, and I learned that from my pastor. I know when things are credible and when they're not. I don't care how good you make it sound. Now, let's go over to Philippians chapter 1. Where we dropped off last week. See, now I'm just going to begin. <laughs> I know you're okay. You need to get this. Because you need to stay focused and undistracted. And we were right around at the last three verses in in chapter Philippians chapter 1. It says, Only let your conversation be as becometh of the gospel of Christ. Remember, this is Paul, and he's in prison in Rome. And whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, where you stand fast in one spirit, and with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now he said, now, now when I come to you, I want to see that. You know, sometimes the adversary, the, well let me read verse 28. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is them, which is them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. Now let me tell you about that. Let, 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 me, let me get on to that. That you shouldn't be terrified or fearful of things. Sometimes, listen, sometimes you have to understand that a person can be your best friend. That can be against you. Did you hear me? Sometimes your adversary can look like your best friend at some times. Notice on adversaries there's an S, plural. This is not just talking about the devil. But the devil always works through human agents. That's what he's going to do. So you and I, we cannot be terrified by any person, we can't be terrified by any news like we got this morning. That seems to, anything that seems to be adverse to the condition of your livelihood, in the conditions of the way you should be walking, of the way you should be. You can't be terrified of it. I'm telling you, you know what? You, you, when you're terrified of it, it'll lead you into depression. It'll lead you into, just away from the things of God. God doesn't want you there. You must make haste. Make haste to understand God is on my side. I've got to stay focused. I've got some news. I've heard something. I've heard something contrary to where I'm going, contrary to what I believe. I've got to stay focused. If not, 
You're going to be distracted. And once you're distracted, you cannot hear, understand what God is speaking to your heart. You cannot be led. Now, I like what 29 says. For unto you it is given in, uh, in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also suffer for his sake. Mm. Now, I've got to deal with the suffering for, for his sake. Now, I want to clarify. Suffering has nothing to do with sickness and disease. Understood. Nothing to do, when it says suffering for Christ, it has nothing at all to do with sickness and disease. Very important that you know that. Listen to me. Suffering for Christ in the, the body of Christ making sure that the body of Christ is not blameless, that I am getting rid of all of the things that will make the body of Christ be blamed. So things that are in my life that are not right, that's what I suffer. I suffer to get rid of the lustful things. I suffer the things that I want to do that I know is against the Word of God, or I know that's not going to bring honor to God. I have to get rid of it. That's suffering for Christ. I want it, but I've got to get rid of it because I am walking and I am allowing God to use me as an instrument of righteousness. So I've got to get rid of it. Anything that may cause somebody else to stumble. Nobody thinks of that when they're trying to get what they want. Who they're trying to, who they're making stumble, they could care less. I just want what I want. But that's suffering for Christ. I put away those things. Anything that's going to cause anything in the body of Christ. Now let's go to chapter 2. Go straight on into chapter, chapter 2, verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy. That ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than themselves. Let not every man on his own, look on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. Now, I like the fact that he said we all need to be like-minded and on one accord and on one mind. But I, I'm, I'm going to lift verse 2 out of its setting because I want to do an illustration. Now, and Sarah, you can correct me because I did a little research, but being on one accord, the word accord can be applied musically, like a chord, like a chord. Are you with me? Now, in my research, to do a chord, Sarah, tell me if I'm right, you at least, at least need three to make a chord. You can have more, but you at least need to have three because it's going to make a sound. It's going to make a, a chord. So you can have three, you can have more, you can do whatever, and, and but you at least need three because they have whatever, those different names that they told me, something but I'm not into music like that but just researching it 
But listen to me. So, the more notes you add, the fuller it gets, the sound. The more notes, the more, you know, the more chords that you add. The, it, it, am I right, sir? The more, the more chords, the fuller it sounds. Now, in music, listen to me closely. This is going to be very important. Each note have a different sound. Each note. But each note played in the proper key brings about harmony. Follow me. That's what it means to be one accord. Now, it doesn't mean the same. Follow me. Sarah, get on your piano for me. X, let's do some examples. See, I got you, I got you inquisitive down. You know, y'all love, y'all love visuals, right? Now, I, what I'm going to ask you to do is hard. You're so good, this is going to be hard for you to do, but you can, you, can, you can work it through. Now, play for me. Mm, four chords, just four chords. Okay, play them one at a time. Four chords. Okay, four chords. Now, now play, now play them all in a strum. They, they don't have to be loud, but they just play them in, uh, you know, in one unison. Four chords. The four chords. Here, let me hear. It. Yeah, all four of them at one time. Just, I mean, all the four chords that you. Yeah. Okay. Do it again. Okay. You hear it? It sounds like it's supposed to be there. Now play those four, but play one. The key that don't belong there, out of key. You're gonna hit the three, and you're gonna play one that's out of key. Doesn't that hurt? Because it doesn't sound right. Because something's off. Now play the four that's all together. Now play the one that's with the one chord that's missing. Something's off. Everybody's not on one accord. But when she plays it all together, now just play a chord, just just all together, strum. Don't that make you just want to look at somebody next to you, love on them? Because it just, I mean, it's, it's blending. It's right. It's like, oh, do it again. Seems like she strummed that. Do it, do it again. Tell somebody you love them. See, it just makes you want to say that. It's like, I love you. Because why? It sounds like it's, it's like they're strumming it. But when she played that one key that was off, it almost felt like, what the devil is written? That, no. That's one thing your pastor was good at, too. He wasn't a musician, but he could sit over there and he'll whisper to me, they are off. And, and you'd be like, I don't hear that. He'd be like, uh-uh, no. And then he'd get Isaac or somebody in the back. He'd say, no, that, that, no, no. I, look, no, that wasn't giving God the best. Go back and do that. That was not giving God the best. Oh, and I just had to throw that in. But back to this. Did you hear that strum? But listen, that's because every chord is in its place. Now, this is what I want to get to. When you're in the right place, it sounds good. Now, that one key that she played that was off, it's nothing really wrong with that key. It was just in the wrong place. But it fits somewhere, but not in that one. Am I right? 
So it is with God's people. God will say, okay, I give you a C chord. And you'll be like, I always wanted a B flat. You know, God gave me the C chord. God, but God didn't want you to have a C chord. God wanted you B flat. But you're going to press your way to, I want, I, no, I want the B flat. Then you try to get in there with everybody that's in the right place, and you're off key. And then everybody gets distracted. You sound like that piano. Bing! Oh, no. Play that again, Sarah, the one with the bad key. Yeah. Hit it again. See, now those of you that don't know music, that almost sounds good. Like, that don't sound okay. But then do it with the right and strum it softly. See, it, tell somebody you love them. You know, it, that, that just makes you just want to say, you know what, I just love you. Because why? But what I'm trying to drive home to you is people want to be wherever they want to be. And God said, no. In order for it to strum right, in order for it to sound right, what key I put you in is where you have to stay. You can't be all over the place. Look, if I put you in a seat, don't go over there with B flat. That's how people get in trouble. That's how you mess up the body of Christ. That's how you stay under Some people for years and years have said in this ministry, have said in their life, and they're all on the wrong key that God placed them on. And they often wonder, why come I can't get to where I need to be? Because you're in the wrong spot. Thank you, Sarah. I want us to get this. These are things that distract you. And what's happening here with this, Paul is saying, all of you, you look different, you smell different, you sound different, but if you would line up under God's Word, and don't be distracted. And stay focused. And don't jump off into the wrong key. We can play the beautiful notes of God in our lives, in our ministry, in every area. So if God gave you C, don't try to go B flat. And if you see somebody in B-flat and you think that they're doing it and yours, your C is not going to be heard, just stay where you are. Because it's all going to come into harmony. You just don't see it and you just can't hear it. If God didn't give you a B-flat, then stay with your C. Because guess what? Your C sounds good in that key. Have you ever seen somebody and you'd be like, you know, they were, it was beautiful when they was right here. And all of a sudden, something ain't right. Something ain't right. They got off key. Well, I want to get louder than that because you know I'm good at that. And I'm going to, they're singing, but I'm going to be a little louder than all of them because I'm there. And you know, of course, I just come to this church because I really know more than they Actually, I really know more than the pastor. And I'm just waiting for a time that they're going to call upon me and I'm going to come forth. Sound just like that off key. Just all out of play. Just all off key. And the harmony, and it kicks off. And then when it swims through the church, it makes everything off. That's why it's important you put down gossip, foolishness, and 
backbiting and all that stuff in the church. All of that's wrong keys. And it brings about a big mess. It's no harmony. And I love the fact that because you win the wrong key doesn't mean anything's wrong with that key. It just needs to be where it needs to be. In the right place. And then that sound and that odor comes up to the Lord as a pleasant odor. Not a sour odor because you're all out of line and off, off where you should be. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I think the most sour smell of the God is when people are, they get out of their key. This is a harmony being played. One accord. We all have our chord. And everybody stay in their chord. So God is saying, I want us to be on one accord. I gave you your note. And the reason why some of us don't like our notes is because we, we haven't allowed ourselves to hear the harmony of it. See, you've got to allow yourself to hear the harmony. You know I'm good here. It, it makes everything work. It's, you have to allow yourself to hear the harmony of it instead of looking for somebody else's note to be in. Every note sounds good. Every note, even the one that was on, it sounds good. Every note is as good as the next note. And the reason you don't like the note you're in because you've never been in the right key. That's why you want to do something else. That's why people leave churches and they do this and they want to do that. And if they, you're all in the wrong key. And you're searching for someone and you're trying to fit in. And God's like, nope, you're in the wrong note again. Did you hear me? All members have different functions. We know that. And they function different ways and they stay in place. Are you going to mess up the body? And you're going to throw everybody off focus like you are. Going to make everybody distracted like you are. Are you with me? And look what it says in verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife and vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Don't try to put yourself above someone else. You're going to get out of place. Stay in your lane. Now, the thing that makes the chords work, being, worth being played, is that nothing and no one is going to get out of where they belong. Stay where you belong. That's why when Pastor Hill first left, and that's why I said, and I still said it, state it today, this will not be a woman-ran church. Jesus runs this church. This is not a woman. Now, people might look and say, oh, y'all got a woman pastor with women really doing that. No, the, mostly people that do things around here are men. Women do stuff, but women, you stay in your place. You stay in your place. And let, let me tell you, I'm far from stupid. Don't think because I am a female that I'm jumping on the bandwagon with you like we got some kind of upper head. We don't have, listen, I'm a servant of the Most High God, and I'm not looking at gender at all. And then when I see you pulling like that, that's when you sit your tail down. Because guess what? You strumming the wrong note. 
Ain't no woman running nothing here. God is. And all I am is a vessel. And if you, if you have a problem with the vessel having a wound, that's on you. You're out of key. You don't even know. Well, I guess this Pastor Hill is there. I guess women are going to be doing everything. Do you see women doing everything? Pastor Hill's been gone three years now. Do you see women doing everything? But you know, you know why they're not doing everything? Because we got real men in this church. Real men in this church. We don't, we don't have men playing church here. They're real men. They step up. And I won't believe anything you come and tell me about them with your foolishness. No more than they believe anything you run and try to tell them about me. Because guess what? They're real men. Real godly men. They know how to hear from God themselves. Are you with me? And I like, don't esteem uh, others. You know, better than, you know, you, you better than this one. You're not better. I'm not better. Something happens to the harmony when one thinks that you're better than the other. That something happens to the harmony. We wanted to strum beautifully like Sarah did when she made that little, whatever she did, I can't do, but whatever she did, that's what we want. We want it to sound beautifully and just strum and be in harmony. And Paul is saying it's together. All Paul is saying in here to the, the Philippians is we all can make good music together. Because Philippians was on point. He was just encouraging them. Stay there. Stay steady. Stay on one accord. You all are. Y'all not like, a, like Ephesus and Corinthians that's over there acting a fool. Corinthians over there speaking in tongues and committing adultery the same day. Ephesus over there worshiping a goddess called Diana, and do it. But the, the the church at Philippi was on point, and he was encouraging them from prison to stay with one mind, one accord, stay so we can make good music. Amen. God don't need you to be louder than everybody else. Well, I'm a leader. Okay, be quiet. Just because you're a leader don't give you the right to just open your mouth at any time. Slow down. And then also he said be like-minded. Let's talk about that. Three major components in the mind. The mind is made up of intellect, emotions, and wills. Three components in the mind is made up of intellect, emotions, and wills. So if he's saying he wants us to have the same intellect same emotions and the same will is that what he's saying let's see how you and I can can be like minded spiritually the intellect write it down in the mind is the mind of processing it's a processing center it's a processing center of information that's what your intellect is it is the it's, it's, in, it's in the mind it is processing center of information that's what your intellect is it processes information that you put in there that's where you process information. So every time you come in here, word is processing through your intellect. Are you with me? Now, let me make a distinction between information and knowledge. There's a difference. 
Because the word knowledge in the scripture comes from the Greek word know. Which means the object, when it says knowledge or knowing that particular scripture, the object is establishing a relationship with the object known. I know. I'll say it again. So when you go home and study it, you can get it. When the distinction between information and knowledge, because the word knowledge in the scripture in the Greek means to know. The object and the, the knowledge means the object is establishing a relationship with the object known, whatever's being taught. So there's a relationship being established. When you get knowledge, there's a relationship. So when we talk about knowledge in the Greek term, when he says, I want you to be filled with knowledge, it means that he wants us to establish a relationship with the knowledge that we get. So the knowledge that you're getting this morning, God is saying, establish a relationship with that. Because this is what's going to keep you focused. You have to establish, a, not just hear it, you've got to establish a relationship with this knowledge. There's a difference than just hearing it and establishing a relationship with it. Are you with me? That means make it a part of your lives. It will become a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path when you make it a part of your life. But you can't do that with information. See, it's different. That's knowledge. You can't do that with information. You know why? Because all information is not the kind of information that you want to establish a relationship with. So you just can't just do that with information. Because all information is not good. And you don't want to establish a relationship with just any information. And the Bible tells us how to handle information as it relates to handling knowledge. Follow me. He's saying... Plainly and simply, I want you to have the same approach, listen, with your intellect, the same intellect approach in what God, with what God is saying here. The intellect, bring it in to where the knowledge is. Information is different. He said, I want you to have the same with the intellect. So he wants us to process information like-minded. Whereas, okay, some things, I don't, I, I hear the information, but I'm not establishing a relationship with that. And, and, and you know, in saying that, because this is where you're going to make beautiful harmony and stay. That's why I also say, like when the doctor gives you a prognosis. You don't, have to, you don't have to establish a relationship with it, but you can't act like it, it's not true. Did you hear me? You've got to listen to the doctor. You've got to do what the doctor said do. You don't have to establish a relationship with it, but you can't ignore it like it's not true. And you can't say, no, I'm not going to do that. For example, if, you, if, if your doctor said, Okay, I want you to do such and such thing or whatever uh, because you have diabetes or whatever, and, and this is what I need you to do. Well, you, you can't have to establish a relationship to say, okay, I'm going to always have diabetes, and that's that. But whatever he told me to do, I'm going to do. But I establish a relationship with the fact that, Father, I'm, gonna be, I'm, a, I'm healed. I'm, I'm healed of the Lord, but I need to do what the doctor told me to do. You don't ignore that. There's nothing, doctors are a good gift. 
They're not the healer, but they are a good gift. You cannot say, they said that, that. that's a lie. Jesus has healed me. I, that's a lie. No, it's not a lie. They're telling you everything that they saw on the x-ray, the CPT or CTP or PT, whatever they're called. I know an MRI. I know that one. But whatever it is that you take, they're telling you what they see. And what they see is what is real for them. They're not the healer. They're going to take So you take that. And if they tell you, you need this, you go to H-E-B Pharmacy and get it. And you take it. And you say, God, I'm taking this not to be healed. I'm taking this as merely therapy. But you are the healer. And then we talked about it last week. We understand healing is a process. So if I have to go through this process, I go through. Balance. And see, that will keep you focused when you get a diagnosis, a prognosis. You stay focused. You don't go in and tell the doctor, I don't care what you say, I'm healed. That would, that's the thing that had made us look stupid so many years. they like, good, I know, but you better take this or you're going to die. They're not claiming they know, know your Lord. You don't have to tell them that to be spiritual. Thank you for everything that you've done and all that you've shown me. Thank you. And I'm going to do exactly what you told me to. And then take your tail out of that office and go spend time with God. Stop by the pharmacy before you go spend time with God. Balance. Stay focused. Now in Second Corinthians chapter 10 in the scripture, we use it a lot. And it's our foundation. It's a good foundation. So go to Second Corinthians. Come on, you can go over there. You'll find Second Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> and it's talking about pulling down strongholds. We know this scripture very well. He tells us what to do with information that comes into our mind. Look at verse 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought... To the obedience of Christ. He tells us what to do with the information. The thought is the key right here. Every thought. We know in this ministry what a thought is. We've taught on it before. A thought is designed to manipulate your intellect. A thought is designed to manipulate your intellect. So whenever a thought comes to your mind... It is not idle. A thought is never idle. It's going to do something with your intellect. Look at verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Again, now what is he saying? He said every time there's a thought that comes into your mind, don't take it lightly. Don't act like it's idle. Don't take it lightly. Make that thought line up with that knowledge that you and I have established. Because you have to have established the knowledge. We have established a relationship with. I make it pay. 
That's why it's so important not to be distracted. <clears throat> because I've established a relation with a relationship with some uh, information, I mean some knowledge that I have, and now here comes this. A thought. You gotta grab that thing and say, You're gonna pay. You gotta literally grab that thought and make it pay. Whenever a thought comes in there, no, you're gonna you're gonna have to pay for that. I've established a relationship with this knowledge, and now you come with this is to get me distracted. You gotta be established in that relationship. That's key. You have to be established in that relationship, you know, and with wrong information, you will be distracted. That's why you better be sharp. You better know what you believe. And see, the more knowledge, listen, the more knowledge we get, when the thought comes into our mind, let me tell you, then you, it must line up. So the more knowledge you get, thoughts are going to just plunge into your mind. Because it's trying to get you out of the will of God. Thoughts are just bam, 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 bam. But then you have to do something. Look at verse 6. This is what we do. And having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now the fight is on. Because the thought is there. And the thought is real. And what we have to do, when we have that thought, you have to punish it. You have to make sure that you are not, that, that, that it's not reoccurring in your mind. And that's what thoughts do. They want to keep reoccurring, reoccurring, keep repeating itself over and over to you. That's when you say, no, no, no. How do I punish this thought? I take, you know, you, you don't, you, you know, you don't just keep thinking about it. You can't keep just keep thinking about it. You have to get scripture that's contrary to that thought. You gotta get busy. You have to say, oh, that thought was out of order and out of line. I gotta find scripture contrary to that thought. And then I go to work. You gotta pay for this thought. You take that scripture, you memorize it, you, you, you repeat it, you memorize it, you repeat it, you memorize it, you repeat it, you keep repeating it over and over and over again, punishing that thought until it dissipates. That's not in line with the Word of God. You take that thought. For example, now, just example, and I think this is for somebody, would, if you were wanting to commit suicide, why would you think on that all day? You're a believer. Why would you think on that all day? Why aren't you busy getting words to stop thinking about suicide and go to work? Punishing that thought. And it's a two-edged sword. You're gonna, I don't care if you have to say Jesus the whole time. You get that word and you keep quoting it. You quote it back and forth, up and down, left and right. You keep, you drive that thing. But if you're not focused, you all you do is start concentrating on suicide. You gotta punish it. I'm not gonna sit and think on no suicide all day. Not when I can fight this thing. No, I'm, I'm, you, you're not going to stay in my thoughts. And thoughts, are, I'm telling you, thoughts can be terrible. You know, when you're sitting and praying, and out of nowhere, in the midst of prayer, in the midst of on your knees, in the midst of you laying flat out before the Lord, you praying. And that thought, bam, right quick in your head. You'll be like, oh my God, where did that come from? Where did that come from? You have to excuse yourself and go, God, I'll be right back. i got to go punish this thought. I'll be right back, but i got to go and do something. But instead, we try to fight through it. No, you got to get up. 
and say exactly that, God, I'll be right back. I'm coming back. But i got to go punish this off. In the midst. Thoughts don't care where you are. It's just like grief. It'll just, it'll just pop up. In the midst. You pray to a holy God. And he'll have some of you men walk around thinking about that butt you saw walking down the hallway at work. In the midst of prayer. In the midst of prayer, you manipulating women. You 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 praying to God, and and, and the thought dropped in your head another way I can manipulate them. You better get up and you better go to war, and say, "Oh no, I will not think like that. I will not." But you gotta have the word. You gotta go and get that that's contrary to it. It battles that, and then you gotta speak it. You gotta memorize it. You gotta keep saying it. It'll drive it. It'll punish it. That's how you punish it. And you'll, you'll see it'll be like, it'll just get weaker and weaker in your thought pattern. But if you're just going to keep thinking about it, you're going to be in trouble. Now go to Philippians 4 right quick for a minute. Go over there to Philippians chapter 4. Come on, you okay. We just have one service. You, you okay. You're in the teaching ministry. You need to be taught something. you behind. So... The intellect is the processing of information. Look at verse 6 in chapter 4. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now see, listen. Patience, listen, patience is God's plan to, to crown you with peace. Patience does. You've got to be patient. Listen, if we're patient... That is God. God will satisfy your needs if you're patient. You don't have to run out and do nothing if you have patience. Because he said, you and I, we need to let patience have its perfect work. That we can be entire lacking nothing. So we've got to learn patience. God will satisfy all of your wants if you have patience. And don't, you're all focused when you try to do it on your own. I'm going to make it happen. Somebody got to do something. I'm going to make it happen. But you can't have patience. Listen. Listen closely. And pray attention. Anxiety is the devil's weapon to kill you. Anxiety and stress is the devil's weapon to kill you. He's not out for play. Did you hear me? He wants to He wants you to react quickly. That's why you need to learn patience. He wants you to move quickly. He wants you to react before you take that thought and punish it and put it in line with the will of God. He's like, oh, before you you get that thought in line, I need you to be doing that. See, he'll keep bombarding your mind. He wants you to move. Before you put that in line with the Word of God. He's, he's, listen, He's wanting you not to have patience. That's the whole deal. I want you not to have patience. Don't you ever, listen to me close, and you young people listen to me close. All alike, don't you ever be in such a rush to do anything. That's why he says, in all of your ways, acknowledge me. Take time to acknowledge me, no matter what it is. Don't be in a rush to do anything. Don't ever be in such a hurry that you can't stop and think. Oh, I was just, it was on top of my head. I just went and I just did it. Oh, no. You're going to be in trouble. Never in a rush. 
Let me tell you how people get get distracted. I've seen it in this ministry. I've seen it in people's lives. I've seen it in my lives when I was younger. But listen, this is the way people get distracted. They let people talk, talk them into doing things on the spot. That's how I can get you distracted. Let's do it now. Right now. On the spot. That's where he gets us. I got to get them to do it on the spot right there. Don't, I can't get them to thinking about it. And I'm going to use whoever it is to distract them from thinking about it. Because I need them to do it on the spot. Don't you ever hurry like that. You, need, you know what? When something is being rushed, you need to stop and pull back. Just stop for a minute and pull back. And examine the things. You got time. Just stop and say, you know what, I'm going to pull back and examine this. I need to see if this is lining up with God's will for my life. I want to see if this is lining up with the knowledge or information that you've already established a relationship with. See, you, you, you have to have already established a relationship. Then you can see if it lines up. Say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that quick. But when, you, when you're doing something anxious and quick, nothing but a mess. You can try to make it look good as you want to, but it's nothing but a mess. You, how many times have I told you you're never going to make the Word of God a lie? If you can try as you will, you're not. You don't have to rush at anything. If you're rushing, step back. Just step back. It's amazing to me, especially young women, young men. I've seen men and women in this church in this church, and I've seen men and women, period, in perfect peace, and somebody got in their ear. Just got in their ear. I mean, somebody just walked by and said, uh, you know, oh, to a woman, how you doing? Hi. All of a sudden, you lose all your senses. I think that might be my husband. What the devil? Just, just, just lose all sense, and I, I just want to rush. I want, I want to jump into it, get all off focus. I don't see them simply get out of their heads. And let me tell you this, and because you might, you know, you might hear this, that this, this is something that you should know. It is never ever God's desire, or the, the desire of God's heart, that you. Get a husband or wife by prophecy. Oh, many people done got in that trap. I prophesied that. I never forget a girl came here and told me that this guy's mother told her that she was to marry her son that was getting out of prison. But she was a prophet. You know, she was a prophetess. I'm like, the test get me. The prophetess. I'm like, uh, no, uh-uh. Uh-uh. The prophetess told me that that the the, the prophetess lied. I'm like, no, it's never God's will. God is not going to prophesy you no husband or wife. I tell God, tell me you're going to marry so-and-so. You're going to marry Well, don't I have a choice? Don't I? I, 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 It's some things I like. But see, when you get silly and you're not focused, you be like, they bring them up to you. You be like, well, I did ask God for a husband. And they said, go marry. Yeah, well. I mean, it ain't quite what I wanted, but but if she said it, if he said it, 
And I am getting older. I need to go on and get with that. No, no, no. I, you got... If I was that, I got to want you first. Anybody going to put me with somebody I don't want? You'll learn to love them. No, I won't. I'm not going to learn to love them. No. <laughs> now that's when you clear your head good. And say, I'm no, no, no. You'll learn to love them because God said it. God said it, you know. No. And they're trying to... See, they'll put some scripture on that you may have formed a relationship with like, God desires us, God deceived, and they belong to the same church. I could give a foot about somebody belonging to the same church. That's a trap. You don't marry somebody because they belong to the same church. Kind of craziness, but that's when you're all focused and, and distracted. And you like, well, I just, you know, I'm, no, I gotta want them. Guess what? Because when you get married, you're not going to bed with prophecy. You're going to bed with them. Be like, no, I ain't, I ain't going to bed with prophecy, so don't give me no prophecy. I wish somebody would come and tell me, God told me you're going to marry some. Oh, that just made me mad right there. Uh, how can you even fathom? Uh, you, no, what? See, I would have to cast down imaginations from killing. God will oh no, you got to be kidding me. You know, no, there's no such thing. Don't never let nobody put somebody on you and tell them God told you. God, you have your own taste. You come in here, you want an Iron Man and you get the Hulk. Be talking about, not quite what I want, but okay, I'm just really, uh uh-uh. Undistracted, you can get caught up like that. We're laughing about it, but it's serious. People get caught up in there. You're foolish. Unlearned. But look, this is what I like what it says about number six. Be careful for nothing and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known. I like supplications. You know why? Supplication stretches it out. I prayed about it when they go supplicate. See, we, yeah, you pray. Cause, and, that, and Pastor was good at that too. He'd make you go pray. And he know if you prayed. You come back the next day, I prayed. You ain't prayed nothing. You ain't supplicated. You ain't gave thanksgiving. You ain't did nothing. You're operating in lust. And after you supplicate, but okay, I prayed and I supplicate. Well, then go get some thanksgiving. So you don't have to rush. Stop rushing. Trouble, trap. Trouble and a trap. Are you, are you with me? Look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Now, that's shaping the intellect. When it's keeping your heart and your mind, it's shaping of the intellect. So you got the process of information. You got, you know, you got this information. You want to know if you're going to let that knowledge that you have and you're going to establish a relationship with it. Don't be anxious. He said, don't be anxious for nothing. I'm going to go do it. You're anxious. Step back. You got time. If, let me tell you, if they don't have time, then let it go. In anything. 
If you're going to buy something, if they say, well, if you don't get it this time, then step back and say, well, I'm not getting it. See, this is what you need to understand. Never confuse peace with calmness and happiness. Calmness and happiness is a temporary state. Never confuse it. See, peace is different. People think, oh, okay, they're calm now. They're at peace. No, 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 they're calm. That's different. The way peace happens is when it's been tried. Peace has to be tried. Then you'll know. See, when I go through things and I'm still calm with it, have you ever, really, have you ever had a situation in your life where something was going on, something negative, and you just knew that God was going to take care of it? I have. Everything's just going awry and it's just like, what? But somehow you just knew God was going to take care of it. Peace. I mean, I, I don't know how he is, I don't know when he is, I don't know where he is, but for some reason I know that he does, he, he, he has that. That's the peace that passes understanding. But if you believe against the word of God, and you're stubborn and cantankerous, trying to show somebody you have faith, that you heard from God. <sighs> I want us to get this. I'm still talking about being focused and undistracted. You must be. You must get this down. You must get this on the inside. You must get this on the inside of you today. So when you establish a relationship with information, it's nice to be tried. You have to be tried. Don't worry about being tried because there's nothing wrong with being tried. You need to be being tried. Are you with me? And I thank God that I'm not exempt from anything that you members go through. I know everybody likes to look at a pastor's or a pastor's wife or, and they don't go through. I'm going to know everything you go through, I've gone through. Everything. You know how you really be tried? You get something in God as something that you've been always wanting. See, then this is a try and you don't want to go through, but it'll, it'll let you know. Something that you've been wanting forever. Like that Tesla. <laughs> I got to talk to you about that thing. And God tell you to give it away. Ooh, that's a try. You're like, well, can I get it, take the car paper with me? No, just give it away. See, God will try you. Because you say you have that peace. You trust in God. God said, well, okay, let me see. Let me try you. Brother Applehart, you ever tried in that area, you already know God where God told you to send that Tesla. <laughs> you know, just laugh it off. He really meant that. Well, yeah, I did. But I want you to understand, God will try you in those areas with what you say you love the most. God said, give it to me so I can give it away. You'd be like, oh, God, but uh, really, God, really? 
I, I've been waiting on this one. I've been saving for this. I've been doing, and that's just one aspect. But in anything, God said, okay, let me see if you can give it away. Can you give it away? Can you? Ask yourself with some of the things you know, you don't even have nothing as expensive as a Tesla, but you still can't give away. Let me tell you how I have kept myself in these last few years since Pastor Transition. I tell God every day, God, I'm full of your word. Every day. I say, God, I'm full of your word. I'm filled with your word. When I'm down, I say, God, your word is marrow to my bones. I'm full of your word. I'm full of your word. Father, I believe what I teach and I teach what I believe. I'm full of your word. I stay there. And I rehearse that to myself day and night. I wait till everybody's sleeping. I rehearse that to myself. My son, uh, Isaiah, he comes in my room and they just bust in my room. And I, I, <laughs> I ain't going to tell y'all what I told Sister Burton I was going to do to keep him out of my room. But anyway, they just burst in my room and, and everything. And he said, Mom, when do you sleep? I come in here because, you know, they be working out at 2 and 3 in the morning. And they be bust in my room because he, he said, I knew you were awake. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. But see, they don't know my time. They don't know my times. I, I like when everybody is, everybody is where they're, I can hear foot, let me tell you, I, I got good hearing. I can hear foot, footsteps coming down. The and they rarely bother me, but my, my oldest son, he will pop in there. Isaac won't necessarily pop in there. He's doing his own thing. But Isaac, he'll come from working out. He just busts in my room. When are you going to sleep, Mom? When are you going to sleep? I said, don't you worry about me. I, I get my sleep. But see, that's my quiet time. That's when nobody's moving. That's when my grandchildren are not talking to me. That's when nobody, that's when I can say, God, I'm full of your spirit. Father, lead me and help me. Help me to lead your people. I don't know what to do, God. Show me what to do. Show me how to lead them in righteousness. Show me what to do. Show, those are the times that I spend time with him. When nobody's looking, when nobody's around, when it's quiet and it's just me and him. And I say, Father, I'm full of your word. I'm full of your knowledge. I'm full of your... I want to do your will. And Father, I want to lead your people correctly. I don't want to ever lead them astray. Teach me how to lead them. Now what if I spent all of my time being foolish? What if I spent all of my time just being foolish, just doing foolish things and acting foolish and thinking foolish and all of those things? Just what if I spent all my time with that? I said, no, God. The same anointing that was on my pastor, Father God, teach me to teach your people well. And I know he had his assignment, and I'm not trying to do him because he had a foundational, a whole foundational ministry that would root us and ground us and establish us and to build a foundation, and he did that well. And I know it's, it's not that, but I'm like, Father, I want that same, I want that same, that because it burned in him for people to learn this word and to walk in this word, and he wanted more and more and more of it. But if all I was doing was just 
And then I spend time like in the daytime when everybody's moving around. I'll look at TV. I'll do that because I know they're going to come in and out of my room. They're going to come in and out of my room unless I tell them, I don't, today I'm studying. I don't want nobody to bother me. I don't want nothing. I just want to get quiet and, or, or whatever. And then they'll, they'll leave me alone. But other than that, I, you know, I put on a movie and I'll just start binge watching a movie because I'm waiting for the night time when everybody is in their spot. Because that's when I hear God clearly. Now, Pastor Hill was totally different. Pastor Hugh could study. He could do everything with noise in the house and people moving around. And I said, how can you do that? i got to get quiet. How can you do that? He said, because when my whole family's in the house and I know they're all safe, my head is clear. And if I know that they were wrong, even when my children were young, he said, as long as I know everybody's in the house, I don't care what kind of noise is made, I'm good. I, and, and me and him was different like that. I said, no, i got to be quiet. I want everybody, nobody talking to me. Don't disturb. Because if you disturb my train of thought, I'm thrown out for the whole day. And I'd be like, you know, i got to just stop and start over because i got a train of thought. But God said, I want us all to be like-minded. He tells us how to do that. Our emotions is how we react to information. The intellect processes it but the emotions reacts to information have you noticed that the emotions is going to react to that which you have a relationship with write down Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27 you can go back and, and look at that but this is how you calm your emotions and write down James chapter 1 I mean chapter 4 verse 7 he said resist the devil and he'll flee. you got to resist the devil. If you want to calm your emotions, resist the devil. And I love Second Peter, the last scripture. Go over to that. Second Peter chapter 1, last scripture. Second Peter chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 4. It says, whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these ye be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Keeping our emotions in line, we have to keep lust out of our hearts. Did you hear me? Write it down. Keep, if I'm going to keep emotions in line, I have to keep lust out of my heart. How do we react with all of this? Well, the will is the divine center of choice. Your will is divine. God will not overrun your will. It is your divine center of choice. That is when you make a choice with the information. This is the thing which separates us from any. This is what separates us from anything that God created. That we have a choice. We are the apex of his creation. We're not like animals. I don't care how much you think yours is. Bridget, I don't care how much you think Cass or Cat. What's her name? And not Chai. Not like the Chai tea. Chai tea, she really knows. They really know. No, they're animals. They're animals. Gives like amen. They're animals. And you know how much you know? No, they, they really, they understand. They understand. No, no. They're animals. We are the apex. We are the apex. Stop thinking that animals, you know, you giving funerals and leaving money to animals and stuff and all that kind of foolishness. Um, they are animals. 
and they're just and and and, and they they all they like is that you rub them and feed them, and they'll lick you and wag their tail. See, that means they love me. What's wrong? Your tummy hurt? No, no, uh, uh-uh. uh. I'm not talking to no animal like that because they are not human. We are the apex. Nobody else have a will and choice like us. If Bam Bam had a will, he'd be down them steps and he'd stay up there all the time. Would never want to go outside. But it's not his will. Get your tail out that door and you take them out because what? They're dogs. They don't have a will. But we do. It's our divine center of choice. God gave it to us and God said, now you choose. I like when he gave it to us because he said, now I'm going to give you your will and you can choose. He said, but I'm going to set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. But I'll put a divine will on the inside of you, but you choose. He said, but I'll give you a hint. Choose life that you and your seed may live. But nevertheless, it's your choice. You can choose whatever you want to. And if you don't invite God in, he ain't coming in. But I thought God, no, he, no, you didn't think God any of that. Because God, if you don't tell him to come in, he will stand on the outside and look in there. Well, don't he know? No. When he walked up to the blind man, didn't he see the man was blind? But why did Jesus say, what do you want? Well, don't he know what he won't know? He might was getting a check and didn't want to be healed. You know, a lot of people, they be like, no, I'm getting a check. I don't need that. Don't be trying to get me. So the man might have been getting a check. and getting So Jesus said, so what do you want? He said, I want to see. He said, well, then see. But you got to tell me what you want. Divine center of choice, that's your will. You got to will this thing. So we can be like-minded. We're born again. We can. And I'm going to stop here and I'll finish it. I'm going to finish it next week because that's enough of you all. Y'all, you, some of you are already regurgitating. I can see it. Y'all are like, I'm, I'm so full. I, I, I get it. I get it. But I want your heads clear. I want you to stay focused. Because let me tell you, just, if you all would go back and listen to some of, the, some of the things that I've ministered in this last year, you would understand this day. It was foretold back then. It was there. Is there. Go back and check. Well, I'm telling you now, what God is speaking now is for what's coming. It's for what's coming. And you can play around with it. And, 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 and you know, again, I know people don't believe in me because I don't have a big platform like Bishop so-and-so, and so you don't. But, the, but you know what? But that, that is going to be your downfall. She can't be hearing from God like that. I have to hear from a big one name to hear that. But I'm here to tell you something else is coming. And you better stay focused. And you better stay undistracted. Because when it comes, you'll know it. You're going to say it's here. And you're going to wish you would have formed a relationship with what was taught today. You're going to wish that my, that my divine sin of choice, I've made the right choice. Because when it comes, it's coming. And nothing's going to stop it. You don't have one, you don't have not one time, not one more time to make a wrong move. And that's for somebody. You don't, you don't have it. 
You don't have you have used up all of your get out of jail cards. You have used them up. And God still wants to be good to you. He still wants to be good to you. So now is your time to make it good. God, I want to make it good. It's time. It's time. You're not getting any younger. You're getting older. Even you that are young. You're not so young. I remember when I was your age. See, I remember when I was 30. I remember when I was 40. I remember when I was 50. I remember when I was 60. Time is running out. Coming to an end. Because if you if you remember, God say, I'm only giving you a span of time. Some of you, you better get in. It's only a span of time. And when your time is up, nothing's going to keep you here. Nothing's going to keep you here. Your span of time is coming to an end. Of this dispensation. And, and I ain't talking about no doom and gloom. I'm talking about of this dispensation. You might be going into another one. But for this dispensation, have you done everything in this dispensation before you go in another? I'm not talking about doom and gloom. I'm not talking about your life is finna end. I'm talking about we go from dispensation to dispensation. This one is closing and a new one is coming. Have you been prepared in this one for the one that's coming? God will always prepare you for the one that's coming. But you got to be sensitive to the one that you're in right now. But I'm here to tell you, that dispensation, this dispensation for all of us is coming to an end. When God brought us back as a ministry, the dispensation of the pandemic over this ministry has already ended. Now we got to flow. And we got to go. And I started laughing. One of the, uh, one, uh, somebody had told me, they said, Pastor, did you get your email? And I said, which email is that? They said the one where we were going to the jail, the prison ministry, where we, we you all remember we all took the, the class, and I don't know if you all got it because everybody should have got it, and they were saying it's time for you, you all renew. It's been two years. And I said, okay, let's hop on that. I said, right now, see if they'll take us as a group because they say you can do it online with them. And I said, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's get prepared. But it's right at the time that this dispensation is closed and another one was open. Just right, just last week they just sent it. I think like February 3rd or, or whatever. And they was like, it's, it's time for COLW group to renew their volunteer work to the prisons. purpose it's purpose and to go in that type of atmosphere you had better be focused you had better be undistracted and then the other group remember the other group was going in to be trained for it as well and I told her look into it and make sure that the, next, the other group can get in too we can renew ours and then the other group can go and get there so we can move when God say move focus Undistracted. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's what we're doing. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at 
livingwateraustin.net.